0: Hello, everyone. This is Rick with the Cyber Pro Podcast, and the three leaders share their insights. It's about five questions in the nine minute if actors never sleep. So let's get to it. Today, I have Joseph Perry on. He was with us in July of 2021. So, not too far down the road, right? A couple of years. And he was episode number 112, and he really talked a lot about the pedagogy of cyber and how to build kind of a new generation of experts. Today, we're going to go down a whole nother path. So, So Joseph, let's start here. What have you been up to since the last time you were on the CyberPro podcast?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Rick. It's it's very exciting to be back for a second appearance. So since the last time I I was on here, I've still done, I've continued doing a lot of educational work. I I did some work um, with Arctic Wolf, Tetra Defense, a few other consulting firms building educational programs for sort of their internal teams, their DFIR teams, their red teams, things like that. These days, I work for a company called Morgan Franklin Cyber, where I run our advanced services consulting. That is everything from our DFIR arm, our DFIR arm rather, to our CTI arm, to our sort of nascent and not fully formed AI consulting that a lot of people are building up and trying to figure out what AI security consulting looks like. Those are kind of the three main pillars that I run.
0: That's awesome. And I love your background. I love the the post-it notes. And I feel like the idea bucket should be closer to your, your head though. Oh, like, yes,
1: yeah, I didn't even realize. <laughs> gave me a light bulb. You know, on the camera. So. <laughs> yes, yeah. It's, you know, these post-it notes are how I organized my entire life. Without those, I would not know my own name.
0: I, I. You can't see it because I have the green screen on, but it's it's there. So, <laughs> how has the cybersecurity landscape really evolved over the past few years?
1: That's a really great question. So, one of the key yeah. evolutions we're seeing over the in the cyber landscape is this sort of professionalization and maturation, not just around you know the technology and the processes and the people but also around how we communicate. You know, when I was on here just a couple of years ago, or especially five years ago, when I was really leaving the government and getting into private work, nobody knew how to communicate cyber objectives. Nobody understood how to communicate to the board, why we should invest in cybersecurity, how we should invest in cybersecurity, how we can test whether or not those investments were worthwhile. None of that system was, there were a lot of people competing to say, this is the system, this is how we should do it. But more and more, especially as we're seeing with the SEC reporting rules that just came out, um, we're seeing really stricter regulation around it. We're seeing sort of a maturation of this is what cybersecurity is about. These are the outcomes that we exist to achieve, and these are the concerns that we have going through it. And so it's becoming a much more sort of business or a key part of the business operationally.
0: I love it. So, are there any emerging trends, technologies, or approaches that you're excited about?
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm a, so personally, I'm a little bit excited to see ransomware starting to die off a little bit. Um, It's not exactly dying off. It's more just that the main ransomware actors are busy invading Ukraine, but there are a lot fewer of them kicking around these days. Uh, I'm very excited about that. I'm also really excited. I think a lot of people are understandably suspicious or skeptical. I'm very excited about the Microsoft security copilot and tools like that where we're bringing natural language tools into security products so that we're able to have a lot more informed conversation as well as we're able to bring people on board and make those tools just a lot easier to use. I'm very excited at sort of seeing. I know there are a lot of people who feel very differently, but I'm very excited seeing that sort of barrier to entry lowering from a technical perspective for the entry level of this field.
0: Well, I feel like anytime there's a newer emerging technology, there's going to be um, buy-in, but also a lot of protest. Let's call it, and I think that's a sign of something that's disruptive, and that's a good thing, right?
1: Absolutely. It's also, I think, one of the key things here is that cybersecurity for so long has been just so hard you know i came in, in in 2010 2012 where there were barely there was barely a degree program related to cybersecurity anywhere in the world there was very little education there was very little pedagogy that's been a big part of my career and so as we've kind of been seeing over the course of the last decade in cybersecurity, a lot of people are really attached to that idea of cybersecurity is this extremely intellectual extremely hard only the best hackers can really succeed in it and that feels good it's exciting to be one of those elite hackers But it's not scalable as an industry. Nobody's going to put that person on their board, the guy who sits in the basement eating pizza in a hoodie, who does things that no one else can understand. You're never going to end up on a board. You're never going to end up in a C-suite. And that means that that program is fundamentally always going to be a sinkhole and it's never going to go anywhere. So I, I understand why a lot of people want to keep it really elite and intellectualized. But the reality is that no industry stays
0: that way forever. No, that's totally fair. I'd love to see if you could share a real world cybersecurity story and the lessons or takeaways that we can learn from it. Absolutely. So this is a great case. I'm
1: going to make sure I anonymize it and don't get myself in trouble here. This is a really <laughs> tremendous case. So we deal with primarily uh, sort of global industrial clients, you know, the the Fortune 500, broadly speaking. Um, and one of our clients, they were targeted by a Russian APT, a Russian APT that is specifically known to be associated with um, the FSB. And so we were dealing with, for, for your uh, audience who may not know, the FSB is sort of Russia's answer to the CIA. Uh, and so we were working with this client, you know, we're, we are, we are their SOC, we're their monitoring center. We do all of their general alerting. And we had actually very coincidentally, one of our junior analysts had been going through closed alerts, basically just taking notes and like studying what other more senior analysts had put in their closure notes and sort of improving her trade crack. Really, really cool thing to do. Just a very basic sort of junior analyst thing. And in the process, this analyst noticed an alert had been automatically closed and that alert had been associated with a login event in Russia. And this is a client who had, after the invasion, they had divested all of their Russian interests. They had separated from any Russian business. And so they knew no Russian connections were worried. And we, you know, we wanted to verify, we wanted to check. So we went to their CFO, we went to the CEO. We talked to everybody, made sure there's absolutely no circumstance under which this is unacceptable. And it definitely wasn't. And we were looking into it at the same time, of course, we were doing the actual analysis on the machine. And so we start looking into it and we figure out, yeah, this is not only a compromise, this is a live compromise. The attacker is currently moving through. This is a very, very long case. It took about nine and a half hours to do the initial triage and the initial um, remediation and containment because this client, we had just come on board with this client. They had no incident response plans. They had no communication plans. They didn't know who to call. I was on the phone with like the external side of all their cloud providers saying, hey, I'm with one of your biggest clients and they are currently suffering a breach and I need to talk to somebody. Um, And all of this was happening days before their financial disclosures were due. And so it's a case where if we fail to remediate, this is very clearly a ransomware actor. If we fail to remediate this before the ransomware is deployed, they're not going to be able to do their financial disclosure. This is going to be on the front page of every financial magazine, of every financial newspaper. And we're going to be the security firm who was associated with that. And nobody's going to care that we came on board three weeks ago. Nobody's going to care about any of the... We're going to be the name associate. And nobody obviously wants that situation. And so we're just working... Not We've got all these 30-something people on this call and all of them are being given tasks to go off and come back to the call with the answer. And it's just absolutely massive uh incident response process and at the end of it we actually managed to kick this actor out we managed to not only do that we actually tore down a huge chunk of the fsb's infrastructure which i'm sure i'm allowed to say i'm not going to get uh any russian responses about uh, we actually we worked with a couple of major cloud providers we were able to point out like this is their infrastructure this is how we can prove it's part of their infrastructure they're using your resource to commit all of these crimes can't you take it down and i, I will say to the to the credit of the major cloud providers all of them were extremely responsive within hours uh, they had torn down huge chunks of this attacker's infrastructure. And so the, kind of the biggest lessons learned out of that, I know this is a very long story, but the biggest lessons gotcha. learned right, for me, first of all, the communications plan was just such a big deal. And it's one of those hygiene things we often forget when we you know we go to a new client, we're like, we want your incident response plans, we want to know your tech stack, we want to know all this. And we kind of know like, okay, these are the three people we call in case of an incident, but we don't know. It's it's very, very common for IR teams not to know who the lawyer is supposed to be, not to know who on the PR team they're supposed to be getting a hold of, not to know which given, based on which business organization gets compromised, Which leader do we go to? You know, I was calling the CFO at, I think it was 9 p.m. His local time uh, with just, nice to meet you. My name is Joseph Perry. I'm your incident commander. Here's what's about to happen. Uh, And it was a very, you know, very stressful, very kind of complex event for them. And so it really drove home having these communication plans and drilling these communication plans where people were picking up their phones. People thought it was, you know, a spam. People didn't believe me when I told them what was going on. And so being, having that drill there was, since then we've had other incidents. You know, it's a massive client. So we've had lots of incidents. And all of those incidents we've been able to handle really, really quickly. We've been able to knock out in a case of, you know, hour, two hours, because that really kind of went through that hell training that first time. And now they have it in place where everybody knows if you, if your phone rings and my name's on it, you're going to pick up your phone right away. Because if you don't, you might lose business about it. but um, so, yeah, that was the biggest lesson learned was just communication and drilling communication, both internal and external. Because again, those cloud providers, I was on their, like their front facing hotline for hours for some of them.
0: So, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's epic though. Thank you. I think that's. That's the type of story we want to hear. And so now you get to just shore it all up with the final question. What is a current piece of technology that makes you smile? Ooh, a current piece. Last time you had
1: retro, I have I have my lockpicks here. I was all ready to go for that question. <laughs> a current piece of technology. That's a good one. Um, you know, if you if you knew the question, you could have shown the lockpicks as retro and then the gun, and then I could have <laughs> I could have prepped for it. That's okay. That's the fun part. That's why the, the interview is done live. It's hot mic. I love it. Um, a current piece of technology that makes me so honestly, I love AI. I love especially like the the way the interesting ways AI is being used. So I have some friends that used AI to build a sort of stand-in dungeon master for a Discord D and D server. Now there are a lot of gaps, there are a lot of challenges they've had to work around, but that's been a really fun engineering project for them with figuring out how to sort of to imitate certain kinds of long-term memory for their AI tool and figuring out how to really implement and sort of work around some of the gaps that exist. And so it's been. I really enjoy AI because of that because I think there's this entire generation. You know, I came up like I said, I came up to 2010 2012, about 13 years ago now. And at the time, everybody was really excited about that like 2600 style of hacking. Where it's like Arduino, it's Raspberry Pi. I think two at the time. Uh, it's you know, it's that kind of early day of IoT, that early day of like your own hardware hacking, building your own systems. Um, You know, we had this, this is the day where I was like building password crackers out of six raspberry Pis I bought for 15 bucks each, stuff like that was really, really common. And I think that inspired a generation of really successful, really effective professionals. And I think AI is doing exactly the same thing right now. Now it's obviously way more software for most of the folks because most people can't build the cloud infrastructure in their garage. Um, certainly most people who don't live in Silicon Valley anyway, but it's still, I think so many, like, especially people who are in their late teens, early twenties are looking at this technology and saying, oh. This inspires me to create. This inspires me to ask questions. This inspires me to dig into something.
0: I just absolutely love it for that. Nice. My brain just instantly went to AI Dungeon Master. It becomes Skynet, and instead of Arnold as the Terminator, you have Gandalf. I love it. I love it. Listen, man. All right, look. And look me in the eye. Look me
1: directly in my eyes. Look into the camera and tell me that an AI overlord would definitely do worse than what's happening right now. Fair. I'm, I'm not saying AI should take over. <laughs> I'm just saying when AI does take over, I will be a collaborator.
0: <laughs> Man, you heard it here first. <laughs> Joseph, thank you so much for being on the Cyber Pro podcast. Yeah, it's been a wonderful time. I really appreciate you having me back. Thank you for watching the Cyber Pro podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss out on new podcasts and bonus content.